I love Christmas. Do you guys love Christmas? I mean, you're here, aren't you? Right? That's awesome. I love the fact that you guys are here and celebrating Christmas with us, seeing a lot of new faces today. First of all, thank you for worshiping and celebrating with us, whether you're here from out of town and visiting family, whether you wandered in because it's Christmas and it's time to celebrate this time of year, we're so glad that you made your way here. If you are from town, we pray that this isn't the only time we get to see you. We pray we get to know you better and that you'll get to know us better and that we can rejoice together in seeking out who God is together in this place. I'm Pastor Jeremy Bannister, and one of the things we do here at Heights is we're going through the Bible in five years. Um, And so if you have had a curiosity of what the Bible is all about, you can join us on our journey. And we invite you to be able to do so. We're going to start our new series coming this next year. In year two, we have the readings all ready, broken out, and all of that. We would love for you to be a part of that. So if you're curious about the Word of God and understanding it better, we invite you to be with us. And just get to know this great group of people that are here. I mean, it's just fantastic to be a part of a great fellowship like this. But today's about Christmas. I love Christmas, especially love Christmas when I was younger. How many of you loved Christmas when you were younger? You remember growing up that way. There was something magical about Christmas, right? We have magic that just kind of happens about Christmas. I remember growing up and that during Christmas time, the one rule my dad had during the time of Christmas was you can't wake me up before six o'clock in the morning. Any of your parents have that same type of rule? You had a time where, nope, nothing's happening before this time right here. Let me tell you, Christmas Eve to Christmas Day was the longest day of the year, okay? I don't care what anybody says. It was the longest day. It was the day that a seven-year-old could not figure out how to go to sleep before midnight and yet would find himself awake at five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock, didn't set any alarm or anything like that. Just, you know, just five o'clock in the morning and that hour seemed like it stretched out for three days as you were just waiting in anticipation for six o'clock. And I mean, we're talking 5.59 and 59 seconds. We're out the door waking our dad up and saying, wake up, wake up, it's Christmas, it's Christmas. How many of you are there? There is something magical about Christmas and growing up. That's what happened with me and my family. But I'll be honest with you. Christmas time, over time, kind of lost some of that wonder. I I remember when I was eight years old and it kind of lost some of that wonder. Some of that magic that seemed to happen with it kind of went away. And it was still a special day and still something that I looked forward to on a yearly basis, but it didn't quite mean the same until I was about 20 years old. And at 20 years old, I came to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And all of a sudden, Christmas had a brand new meaning, had something that was even more special than it was before. And I remember early on, I became a Christian in, uh, in the South, in Georgia, and, you know, the whole Bible Belt culture that is there is very real, and so Christmas is celebrated well by, by many who are around, and I remember that early on, the first few years of, of my faith, I was working at the bank 
at Bank of America at the time. It was called Nations Bank at the time. That's how far back it goes. So we're talking about 25 years ago. And I remember I was so excited because here I am, a new Christian, and I'm getting to say Merry Christmas, and I, I really know what it means, and I'm so excited about all this. And so yet we had little candy canes and hand them out to each one of the customers as we do their transactions. And I'll never remember, because I'll never forget, because there was this, you know, we were in a small town. We pretty much knew everybody who came through our lines, if you've been there long enough. And so there was this man who I waited on many times before, and, and he came up, and I just wanted to bring Christmas cheer into his life. And so I'm sitting here so happy because it's Christmas time. And I'm doing this transaction, cashing out his check. I got the money all together, have his receipt there, put it in the envelope, have my little candy cane, and just very heartfelt, Merry Christmas. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. We don't believe in Christmas. Jesus Christ was born in October. And he walked away. And my mouth was just kind of, for those of you who know me, I'm not left without words very often at all. That's always been a trait of me before I knew Christ. After I knew Christ, I'm a talker. I had nothing to say. The tellers beside me were equally shocked. And they were like, did, did, did that just happen? I was like, yeah. And he just walked out the door as if nothing had happened. And I was just like sitting there, you know, Okay. Okay, what do I do with that? Merry Christmas. You know, so that was kind of, that was my first introduction to this idea of the lessening of Christmas. And in my mind, I said, you know, so why why do we celebrate Christmas? And in my mind, I was like, well, we had to pick someday to celebrate Christmas. And so, you know, December 25th is worthwhile. Why, Why don't we do that? But now what we're seeing is a proliferation of an assault on our beliefs and our celebrations. We go up on social media and we see all of these memes and posts and videos. Go to TikTok and you see videos that, that challenge this celebration, our faith, on a consistent basis. And so my hope today is twofold. Number one is to kind of step forward into a few of these challenges that you guys are probably familiar with because I'm familiar with them. I see them and we're seeing them much more. And they threaten to lessen our wonder of Christmas. Are these things true? Do we have something that we can really hold on to during this time of year? So we're going to tackle a couple of those in hopes to reestablishing something even better. The awe and wonder that Christmas ought to be. It ought to be for you, for me, for everybody that we know. Christmas should be a day that is truly celebrated because it's more glorious than anything we could ever make up. So my sermon today is called Christmas, an inspiring story or in a historical reality. I think the world around us would like to relegate Christmas to an inspiring story, something that is something that touches the heart but doesn't really change anything. But if it's a historical reality, there's something so much greater that is going on. 
So what two things are we hearing? I mean, there's lots of popular claims that are out there. In recent days, we've had that assault upon our beliefs coming from every corner of the internet and popular culture. Memes on social media tout how our faith is just a cheap knockoff of religions held long before and debunked. And these same arguments are repeated in pop culture, in movies, and in shows. You guys have all seen those things. Two popular claims that we're going to talk about today. First, Christmas is just a knockoff of either the Roman celebration of Saturnella or the Roman celebration of Sol or the winter solstice. And that it was adopted, that Christians adopted these pagan festivals to try and lure away pagans from their beliefs to a more Christian belief. In other words, Christians copied the world in the celebration and the birth of their God so that we could bring them in to our fold away from the gods that they were worshiping. That's the claim. How many of you have seen or heard that claim off of the internet recently? I've seen a lot of that. I've heard a lot of that. I see posts about that all the time. It challenges our faith when we hear certain things like that. The second one is this, is that our decoration of Christmas tree is adopted from pagan idol worship that's specifically forbidden in the writings of Scripture. And to prove their point, they actually quote Jeremiah. So if you will, indulge just a moment, we can look at Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. This is what they use as a proof text of that. Maybe you've seen something like this. Hear what the Lord says to you, O house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold, and they fasten with a hammer and nails so it will not totter. That the decor of our Christmas trees are nothing more than pagan practices that the enemies of Israel were told not to emulate. So every single time we're celebrating Christmas, every single time we're decorating our trees, we're actually practicing a pagan idol worship ceremony. Any of you ever heard that? I have. And I'll promise you something else. Those of us that are older, raising our hands, our children and our grandchildren definitely have. Because it's repeated often. And all of this is to diminish Christmas time. To make Christians question whether or not their traditions come from a deep-seated belief or conviction based upon the word of God or simply made up as some sort of early seeker-sensitive movement to attract pagan rule by adopting some of those practices. It it feels very much like an onslaught of phrases that I experienced as an early Christian by that Jehovah's Witness who laid down, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. I don't believe in Christmas. Jesus Christ was born in October. And just pounds again and again and again and again. I mean, if you say something long enough, we're liable to believe it, right? Right? I mean, good grief. We, we hear a lot of phrases today that are repeated over and over and over again that just aren't true, but how many people fall for the lie? In the same way, we're seeing many people fall for these lies as well because neither of those two things are true, which should give us a little bit of confidence as believers in Jesus Christ. But 
to prove it, we're going to actually go into the history a little bit because it's, I could say it here, but me saying it doesn't prove it to you, right? So let's, let's figure out exactly of these two things that were mentioned, December 25th and Christmas trees. Let's just ease our mind and conscience a little bit to know that we can have confidence in both of these things. So let's take the December 25th date. Was Jesus Christ born in October, like I was told? Does it matter? Did the church simply pick a date because they thought it was important to celebrate it? Or is there compelling evidence that December 25th is a reasonable date based upon the evidence presented within the Word of God? A Catholic scholar and apologist, Marion T. Harvat, he's a PhD, in his article, Christmas Was Never a Pagan Holiday, writes this. But let us leave the realm of conjecture and return to the historical records. There is ample evidence to demonstrate that even though Christmas, the Christmas date was not made official until 354, clearly it was established long before uh, Aurelian instituted his pagan feast day. The conception of St. John the Baptist is the historical anchor to know the date of Christmas based on the detailed and careful calculations on dates made by the first fathers of the church. The early Tractius de Solistia records the tradition of the archangel Gabriel appearing to Zechariah in the high temple when he was serving as high priest on the Day of Atonement. This is found in Luke chapter 1 and verse 8. This placed the conception of John the Baptist during the Feast of Tabernacles in late September. As the archangel Gabriel said, Luke chapter 1 and verse 28. And his birth nine months later at the time of the summer solstice. Since the Gospel of Luke states that the archangel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary in the sixth month after John's conception. This placed the conception of Christ at about the time of the spring equinox. That is, at the time of the Jewish Passover, in late March. His birth would thus be late December, at the time of the winter solstice. That these days, based on tradition and scripture, are trustworthy is confirmed by recent evidence taken from the Dead Sea Scrolls, whose authors were very concerned about calendar dates essential for establishing when the Torah feast should be celebrated. The data found in the scrolls make it possible to know that the temple's rotating assignment of priests during the Old Testament times show definitively that Zechariah served as a temple priest in September, thus confirming the tradition of the early church. The Catholic Church determined March 25th as the date of our Lord's conception long before Aurelian decided to make his solar feast. For example, around 221 AD, Sexto Julio Africano wrote in the Chronographia in which he affirmed the Annunciation was March 25th. And once the date, uh, once the date of the Incarnation was established, it was a simple matter of adding nine months to arrive at the date of our Lord's birth. December 25th. The state would not be made official until the late 4th century, but it was established long before Aurelian and Constantine. It had nothing to do with pagan festivals. We can be certain that the first Catholic apologists and fathers of the church who lived very close to the time of the apostles were fully aware of the dates associated with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had all the calendar resources at hand. They would not allow any untruth to be instituted into Catholic liturgy. 
The date of Christ's birth was transmitted by them as being December 25th, a Sunday. Addressing the verse of Luke 2, 7, uh, Francis Cornelius Alapide, I'm probably terribly pronouncing his name, comments on the architecture of this choice. Christ was born Sunday because this was the first day of the world. Christ was born on Sunday night in keeping with the order of his marvels so that the day on which he said, let there be light and there was light was the same day on which at night the light shone in the darkness for the upright of heart. That is the son of justice, Christ the Lord. So, first of all, Christian, guess what? We can be sure that December 25th wasn't a stab in the dark. Wasn't something that you and I are celebrating just because everybody's celebrating their own God's birthday. Therefore, we're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And let's put it on December 25th so that the pagan world will celebrate with us. As a matter of fact, you get those who are in uh, archaeology right now and those who are looking at history have come to the conclusion that really the celebration of the Sun Festival was in early December and moved to late December because of Christians, not the other way around. Really interesting stuff. Don't believe all the internet memes that are out there. There are good reasons for us to celebrate and not feel like we're taking away from something else, but actually that these things are established in the very written word that you and I are trusting in in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So December 25th is a reasonable date based upon the evidence that Scripture has. So unlike my Jehovah's Witness friend who told me that Jesus Christ was born in October, it seems the evidence points otherwise. And you know what? That makes me just want to say Merry Christmas all the more. How about you? So how about Christmas trees, right? What about the second claim? We got about 10 Christmas trees around this church in all different places. We got some here, over here. There's a small one in the youth room. There's one out there. We've got some uh, uh, decorated by the daycare as well. They're everywhere in our place. I bet you some of you actually have Christmas trees at your house too, don't you? So do I. As a matter of fact, that's about the only decoration I have at my house is the Christmas tree. We have the Christmas tree. You have ornaments on there, and they proclaim lots of different things. Is this just a pagan idol worship that we've adopted at the expense of what Scripture has said for us not to do? Let's check it out. Let's go back to the place in the context of Scripture you know, it's so funny, those who are online who often want to debunk what you believe, sometimes just reading one extra verse brings lots of clarity to what that passage is actually about. So let's go back to that Jeremiah 10 passage real quick. Jeremiah chapter 10, but we're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Here, What the Lord says to you, O house of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. 
This isn't talking about chopping down a tree and then putting it in your house and adorning it and then saying, oh, look at this. God told us not to do it. We did it anyway. No, they're talking about an idol worship. They're talking about chopping down a tree, cutting off all the branches, and then fashioning the wood into an idol, an actual idol with hands and feet and bowing down to it. We see this in many places in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 44 goes into some great detail concerning this very practice. And he goes on and says, you know, with part of the wood, he makes a fire out of it. And part of the wood, he bows down and says, save me, you're my God. And he's like, that's stupid. I have never seen anybody go to a Christmas tree and go, I worship you. Nobody does that. Have you? Ever? Ever. Me neither. This is not what they're talking about. It's not what the passage of scripture is about at all. But it's thrown in the faces of those who believe in Christ to create doubt. It's thrown in the faces of those who believe in Christ so that we might not celebrate Christmas time for what it really is. To create doubt in our minds and make us say, I don't want to be that type of person that doesn't either take the Bible seriously or realize that maybe all my beliefs are just stitched together by something that's not real. See, it's amazing what happens when you add a verse directly after what was quoted. But more than that, do you guys know what the history of the Christmas tree is? Probably don't. In the Heart of Christmas by Hank Hanegraaff, he writes this account talking about Christmas trees and how our modern day celebration came about. Christmas trees originated in Christian Germany 2,000 years after Jeremiah's condemnation of man-made idols. They evolved over time from two Christian traditions— One was a paradise tree hung with apples as a reminder of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. The other was a triangular shelf holding Christmas figurines decorated by a star. In the 16th century, these two symbols merged into the present Christmas tree tradition. As such, the Christmas tree began as a distinctly Christian symbol and can still be used by Christians today as part of their Christmas festivities. Isn't that nice to know? As a matter of fact, Martin Luther is the one who's been credited for adding candles and lights that we have on the tree. He walked out and saw the stars go through the trees at night and decided to go home and redo that. And he added candles to the tree that was already hanging. Probably a terrible fire hazard. Which is why we have these types of lights, which are not quite as much of a fire hazard. Isn't it nice to know that the important traditions that you and I are holding on to are not something that are garnered by a worldly pagan world trying to relate to them or through something that's been debunked, but something that truly has its origin in celebrating the one who was born this day or tomorrow because it's Christmas Eve. The historical reality is so much more than any inspiring story could ever be. Do we really understand and comprehend what happened? Think about the wonder that God wants to give to you and me. Do you understand what happened? We, we read in Colossians, and that's already been you know, referenced today by the praise team. Awesome job, by the way. 
But in Colossians, talking about Jesus, verses 15 through 17 of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, it says this. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Skipping down to verse 19, for, he, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Or as it says in Philippians chapter 2, talking about our attitude to be that of Christ Jesus, and starting in verse 6, it says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Do you guys understand what happened Christmas Day? We see the God of the universe that created all things, all things created by him and for him. Think about that for just a moment. The one who would give birth to our Lord and Savior was created by him and for him. The one who would steward a fathership was created by him and for him. You, me, every single person created in this world created by him and for him. Whether they be thrones or powers or rulers, all majesty is his. It's created by him. Those clouds that are so beautiful that you see the mountains, the seas that are out there, every star in the sky, every galaxy that is out there, everything was created by him and for him. And he put the whole of himself in this little babe in a manger. That is an amazing mystery that no story could come close to being like. Do we not realize what has happened on this day? And the scripture says that it was a fullness of time that Christ appeared. Think about that. From eternity past, it was conceived by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the creation of the world that Jesus would come and not just come, but that he would come and that he would die for you and me. See, the whole reason that Jesus would come as this little babe would be to grow up for you and for me to die on a cross. You know why? Because all of us were created by him and for him. And because he loves his creation, he has given himself fully over to this creation that he might redeem those who believe. Is that not amazing? And we forget that so many times. We cannot separate this babe in a manger from the cross or the empty grave. It's impossible for us to do. And yet, Christmas is cheapened when we do. Because we don't realize that this is why the angels had to proclaim to the shepherds and appear and say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace upon whom his favor rests. They had to because the fullness of time had now come. They knew that Jesus had broken into the world and all that God had said, had planned before all of creation was coming into fulfillment. They knew how this was going to end, though we did not. 
What an amazing thing. This babe in the manger. And they knew it's begun. It's happening. This is what's going on. Nobody else recognizes it. So we're going to appear to shepherds because now the fullness of time has begun. It's something we have to celebrate. We have to. Because of what God is going to do through this little baby. Everywhere we read about Jesus breaking into this world, it's accompanied with what he's come to do. Everywhere we read about Jesus breaking into this world. We have the gifts of the wise men of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why myrrh? Myrrh is, myrrh is a spice that's used for death. The embalming of one who's supposed to die. Right there in the Christmas story. The peace given for me and you is going to happen with this babe in a manger who will grow up to be a man and die on a cross and raise from the dead for you and for me. Because everything that he's created, he's created by himself, for himself. As we look at these passages of scripture as a whole, this Colossians chapter 1, as we do like we did with the uh, Jeremiah passage, and already been shared by the praise team, which I love, I want us to read it again, just think about how these are connected together. It says this, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant." What it says in Philippians of our attitude being that, the same as that as Christ Jesus in verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
This is what Christmas is all about. The announcement that the child has come, that God has a plan, that he has planned from the beginning of time to redeem that which he has created and gone astray. And he has chosen to do it with his own flesh and his own blood for you and for me. Second Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is what Christmas really is. And when we Think about the wonder and the majesty of what this really means for you and me. It changes everything on how we view this little babe in a manger in swaddling clothes. Because in it we have the mystery. The mystery of God. Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Think about this. What would happen if we celebrated every Christmas this way? Isn't that so much better than the legends and the stories of inspiration that the world wishes that we'd just hold to? What really happened on Christmas is so much better than any story of inspiration we could come up with. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Merry Christmas. Today as we finish our time of celebration together, we finish with Holy Communion. And if you call Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you believe that God sent this helpless little babe from eternity past and decided that he was going to send his son in the likeness of man for you and for me. And it's announced on this day that the fullness of time has come. And you believe in the sacrifice, his death and his resurrection, conquering sin and death for you and me. Then we invite you to partake with us if you don't know Jesus, but today you're like, today, I believe. I, I didn't believe before. I didn't think about all of this. I thought all of this was just bunk. But today, something different has happened. And I believe where I didn't believe before. If that is you, we are going to have a couple of elders up here on the side where these Christmas trees are. And we invite you to go and talk with them, to pray with them, and then pray with them to receive Jesus. And in receiving Jesus, then come and share this meal with us. And have the best Christmas you've ever had. As we take the elements of his body and his blood shed on the cross for us, broken for us, realizing that it all started with a little babe in the manger. The announcement of the angels and the celebration. Glory to God in the highest.
peace on earth on whom his favor dwells. I'm going to pray together. I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. The elements are on either side. You're welcome to go to either side. Share when you're ready. When you're done, please exit quietly out the back. Hang around the foyer. We would love that, but we want to give the people who are here time to pray, time to get their heart right before the Lord, to share and to celebrate. And then we will join you afterwards in the foyer to continue to celebrate this wonderful time, this wonderful occasion that we're so thankful that you came to share with us today. If you need to pray, if you want to pray to receive Christ, I I sincerely, our elders are going to be at those trees. They, They want you there. We consider it a privilege that you're here celebrating with us. The candles that you have, if you'll just leave them in your seat, that will be great. We'll gather them a little bit later. But God bless you all. Merry Christmas. May we pray. God, thank you so much. For this time, this day, dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that the truth and the reality of Christmas is so much better than any story that could be made up. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you that you created us by yourself and for yourself. And I pray in the name of Jesus. That if any have come to that realization today that that's what you have done for us, that that's what this day truly means, and they wish to accept you as Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would not hesitate, that they would do so wholeheartedly so they can celebrate Christmas anew. Because the historical reality is so much greater than any inspirational story we could attach. Thank you for what you've done in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us as we now celebrate what he came for. In Jesus' name.